Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we talk about the trade deal between the US and China, and whether now is a good time to invest in emerging markets, with Stephen Peters, Head of Equity Fund Research, and Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer. Hello, everyone. My name is Stephen Peters, and I'm Head of Equity Fund Research and a member of the Manager and Fund Selection team. This week, we're speaking to Will Hobbs, CIO, and as usual, we will try to cover a pretty busy week with impeachment proceedings hotting up in the US, the signing of a monster trade deal, and quite a lot of other bits and pieces. One thing I can assure you, though, we are definitely not speaking about is the topic of the latest awkward portmanteau word, which is Megxit. So it's nice that that's replaced yeah. like at the Watergate, everything being sandwiched <laughs> gate. At least we can now start sort of sandwiching on exit, I guess. Exit, exit. So, well, uh, I note the decision has been made to uh, change the exposure on multi-asset class funds. We'll talk about that shortly. But let's start off with the US and China trade deal being signed this week. Um, didn't seem like markets reacted much. Is it? Is it just the end of the phony war or perhaps something more meaningful? Yeah, I mean, Stephen, hi. Lovely to have you on the uh, on the podcast. Um, so a couple of things to point out here, I think, from our perspective. One, um, as um, most people, I think, have agreed, this is quite a light deal in many senses. Um, many of the kind of thorniest issues um, uh, have not been tackled, uh, sort of understandably. They are very thorny. Um, things such as kind of state subsidy for SOE, uh, state-owned enterprises and things like that. Uh, the second point is that the, the nature um uh, or much of the detail, much of the nature of the deal, if not the details, um, have been well telegraphed. So markets have had plenty of opportunity. Investors have had plenty of opportunity to react and incorporate um, this kind of new information. So that's probably why markets didn't react too much this week. Is it just another case of sell the rumor and buy the fact in global markets? Then is that the? Well, wow. I mean, that's the, you know that is the difficulty, isn't it, with markets? You've always got to try and um, uh, you've got to try and think ahead. Um, you know, they're anticipatory; they're trying to anticipate events, and so you tend to find that you get a very short time uh, time span to react to these kind of things. So that brings us on now, I guess, to our or your uh, uh, call, the 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 aim to increase our weighting in emerging market equities. Emerging markets, I remember going back a decade or more, were the the hot topic. Nobody quite talks about emerging markets today in the way they did. So this increased emerging markets, tell us a bit more about that. Well, um, yes. I mean, I think um, the point here is that we are starting to see Chinese, um, the the most recent uh, batch of Chinese trade data showed a bit of uh, perkiness um, after quite a long period of looking uh, much less perky. and, and, and obviously, you don't want to get too carried away with one month's uh, trade data. Trade data tend to be pretty volatile. Um, so, uh, you know, but I think for Asia's um, prospects in particular, um, it's not the only data point that's telling us um, that um, that things are, things are picking up a little bit in the region. Uh, and actually, given the importance of the... Um, uh, the region's importance, Asia's importance in the technology uh, and large parts of the technology sector supply chain, you can actually keep an eye on things like um, chip cycle. Uh, that's micro uh, chip rather than the deep fried uh, variety, obviously, or sadly. Um, but what we are seeing is some interesting signs um, that um, uh, some interesting signs there uh, and some of the sort of region's trade hubs. So Korea in particular, um, you're seeing trade data sort of um, uh, pick up um, a little bit more there. Now, 
when you find that um, growth is picking up in emerging markets and particularly kind of the trade sensitive variety and you're seeing trade data pick up and that kind of type of growth pick up historically that's tended to be um, uh, quite a good time uh, to try and own um, own equities you know if you think that growth is picking up you tend to want to own a proportional stake in that growth and that tends to lean you towards that uh, and like I say the nature of this um, pickup um, probably leans you more towards emerging markets at the moment uh, the other point here is that developed equities i.e those in the developed world you know the UK the US uh, well particularly the US um, did incredibly well last year um, and EM equities, emerging market equities, did a little bit less so. The trade war was probably part of that. Um, so what we're seeing now is that growth is picking up in a way that has tended to be more helpful than not uh, emerging market equities in the past. And many are arguing that the, the approach of the US presidential elections at the end of this year may help kind of stay the White House's hand a little bit. Uh, and all of that is creating a kind of, you know, potentially uh, more attractive uh, environment for emerging market equities to out perform to do well I guess and that's why we've added a little bit a little bit of exposure there I know the presidential election cycle is one that the managers fund managers that I speak to are starting to bring up in conversations but it's a big world out there and there are lots of other political events what are the other political unknowns that you and the team are discussing at the moment well, it's a long uh, it's a long list it's always a long list obviously as you know uh, Stephen you know and this is part of the game but um, and this is why uh, I think all of us on this uh, in this area where we're trying to sort of create value for clients tend to have um, a bit less hair and that that we do have is quite gray uh, I think we can all testify to that it's tougher in winter isn't it I think without a hat um, but um, if you look at the US obviously you've started to see as you mentioned earlier you're starting to see impeachment proceedings um, moving to the Senate which is the sort of trial stage I guess um, I'm not sure there's much in this for markets to think about in reality um, or to get too interested in but you can expect lots of headlines for sure um, Europe uh, looks very busy as you as we all, as we've all come to expect so just going through a kind of rough list Italy uh, you've got a precarious uh, coalition as we all know with that uh, Matteo Salvini uh, and the league waiting in the wings um, the coalition in Germany is also looking quite fragile the French administration is kind of doing battle with the French population on pension reforms Spain you've got a minority government um, as the result of uh, two uh, snap elections last year both of which returned um, hung parliaments. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, obviously tricky Brexit negotiations. I mean, really the real meat of Brexit negotiations. Uh, however, in most of these situations, um, we can probably suggest still that a muddle through is the most, uh, you know, is it the now familiar call is probably the most likely, um, likely thing. Uh, we, we will need to keep an eye on all of these. Um, and we expect to have a little bit less hair at the end of the year, probably. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so, so the word to, is uh, the word is to be stoic, or the phrase is to be stoic, and that reminds me of the uh, the thing we've seen in the news in the last uh, few days about the the man in the kebab shop in in Portsmouth who uh, was most definitely stoic while uh, chaos was uh, ensuing around him. Is is that a, is that a good euphemism? Kind of That's avoid amazing. the noise nice. and, uh, nice. and, uh, and stay the course. Yeah, it's the message, and, and uh, yeah, although. Yeah. That uh, was it. Ken's kebab has. I think that probably maybe overstates the degree of noise that um, that investors have to put up with. But certainly, um, you know, that is uh, it's a good analogy. And as it goes, actually, we, we, we I mean, just looking at Europe in particular and thinking about you know all of those kind of political events. Um, you know, we would actually expect the euro area economy um, to brighten quite a bit this year, in line with that kind of um, better global picture uh, for manufacturing and trade. 
um, the manufacturing and trade oriented parts of the global economy. So that is probably you know the the more important um, context to keep an eye on. But obviously, with all of these political events, we have to keep an eye. But for long term investors, much of it doesn't really matter. And the final random fact of the day is that turkeys aren't actually from Turkey. They are native to North America. But um, I don't speak Turkish. Do you? Do you speak Turkish? Do you know what? Funny enough, I, this is weird, but I did. Um, I was sent to Turkey uh, to learn Turkish in Ankara uh, when I was 18. But unfortunately, um, I did try it out in the kebab house the other day. But um, I then found out that actually... Um, yeah, it wasn't a Turkish uh, kebab house, which was a little bit embarrassing. But anyway, unfortunately, my um, my Turkish is now limited uh, to pretty much saying I'm 18 years old and I'd like two beers. So Ben, on sikisiyashindayim and Ben, sorry, ikitana bira. That's it. And I can't even say please. So it's kind of rude and out of date. That's the main problem with my Turkish. I take your word for it and I hope they're not swear words. <laughs> uh, so not enough to talk about uh, the rationale behind the Turkish central banks probably the interest not. rates yeah probably not but I would um, I would say you know the interesting thing I mean, there, there is always an interesting point on the Turkish central bank to make about um, central bank independence because the context behind here is obviously that Mr Erdogan has been telling uh, or urging the central bank uh, to lower interest rates into single digits and his uh, somewhat uh, contrary idea relative to you know economic theory suggests that you know that if you have an inflation problem you tend to have to raise interest rates not cut them but Mr Erdogan has argued in the opposite direction that actually cutting interest rates lowers interest lowers uh, lowers inflation um but it, it's interesting i mean this is you know it's a lot there's a long history um of political interference uh in central banks you know this is not just a turkey problem it's an all over the world problem and we've said a number of times in the u.s there was a famous uh you know lyndon johnson um basically hauled uh william martin uh, down to his ranch um and uh and during the, it was i think it was uh, 1965 and he basically sort of almost pushed him around the room apparently and said you know my boys are dying in the mud you need to start printing money and cut interest rates uh, you know and it's not just you know Lyndon Johnson Nixon apparently was obsessed with the idea that JFK beat him in the 1960 election because uh, the Fed uh, raised interest rates um, and so 1972 he got uh, got him to comply you know so the story goes on and on and I think the major point to take from this is it's a great idea to separate uh, political politics from interest rates because often you have to take very very unpopular decisions uh, as a central bank and you don't necessarily want those uh, decisions in the hands of people whose job is to remain popular to a certain extent so I think that's one of the things um, one of the things I'd point out there okay well I think it's pretty time to uh, leave it there but thank you thank you Will as always and uh, thank you everybody for listening um, uh, the usual plea at the end of podcast which is a, a good one which is if you do like it please consider giving us a review and a five-star rating on whichever podcast app you use. Uh, and with that, I'd say thank you, Will. Thank you. And uh, thank you for listening and thank you and goodbye. All investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.